When a person receives Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, he or she only receives a measure of faith by which the Holy Spirit comes into their life, and the Holy Spirit now becomes a seal on their heart, guaranteeing their inheritance into heaven. But they don't receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about receiving the fullness or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Last episode, I discussed that God requires all Christians to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and according to the Scripture, it was established that it is an expectation of God after a person gets born again. In part two of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I discussed the purpose, the proof, and how a person gets filled with the Holy Spirit in this episode of The Vine. Well, hello, everyone. This is the day the Lord has made. I will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for tuning in to The Vine. I am your host, Sean McNini, and welcome to part two of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is part of the series that I am doing on real Christianity. And before I get to the conclusion of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I just wanted to mention again that the basis for this teaching is from a course by Dr. Jim Martin entitled Laying the Foundation. And although this is the basis of my teaching, I do throw my spin on things based on my own personal experience. I didn't just accept everything that was taught as, you know, truth and then run after it. I was like the Bereans. I studied this out and I applied the scripture to my life as the scripture encourages us to do in James 1.22 in terms of being doers of the word. In doing so, I have found that this particular teaching in terms of Real Christianity is so vital and so important. I can now understand why that Satan, who is a liar and the father of lies, has done everything that he possibly can to withhold this message from getting through to the church in this very hour when we so desperately need it. So I encourage you to do the same. I encourage you to take the scriptures that I'm giving you to put it into practice. Be like the Bereans and see if it be so. And remember, because you are a Christian, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. The Spirit is also the Spirit of truth. And the only thing the Holy Spirit knows to tell you or to display or to express is the truth, which is founded upon the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And consequently, the doctrine that the apostles taught, which is outlaid in Scripture, is Jesus Christ, the very foundation, the cornerstone of their teaching. And this is very important to note. If you look in Galatians chapter 1, I'm going to read um, from verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. The word another in verse 6 is the Greek word heretos. It means an altered form of the gospel, a different gospel. And the word accursed in verse 8 is a Greek word anathema. It basically means excommunicated. So to paraphrase what's going on is Paul is addressing the church at Galatia because a different form of the gospel, an altered form of the gospel crept in. And these people, if they continue to listen to this altered form of the gospel, will ultimately end in them being accursed or excommunicated from the body of Christ. Please do not shoot the messenger, folks. This is right from the Word of God. Why am I saying this? Because there are churches that are out there that state that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today, including the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that it died off with the apostles, 
And some churches are even declaring that the praying in the Holy Spirit, the praying in tongues, is from the devil. If you are attending a church where part of the doctrine is claiming these things, I'm telling you right now, unless you are called there to change the mindset of the pastor, which I'm telling you, changing the mindset of somebody is probably the hardest thing to do because it's so embedded in tradition and the doctrines of men. So unless you are there for that very purpose, I'm telling you right now, get out and run. Seek God as to what church he wants you to attend. And I guarantee you there's a church out there that preaches the full gospel that includes the gifts of the Spirit. Because I'm telling you, in this end-time revival that's coming, there is no revival without the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church. And the main reason why I'm saying this is because there's going to be people who are listening to this podcast, and they're going to be claiming that I am a heretic. And remember, the Greek word for the word another in verse 6 is the Greek word heretos, and that's where we get the word heretic from. Folks, believe me when I say this. I am not preaching another gospel. I am building on the foundation of Jesus Christ through the apostles, and that has already been established in Scripture. And in my heart of hearts, I would never come in to this podcast and lead anybody astray, because those who are called to the ministry, and I'm called a pastor, those who are called to ministry have a greater judgment coming to them, because what they teach the sheep and the sheep follow, we are held accountable to a higher standard. So there's my disclaimer. Okay, now on with the teaching. Now, the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus was born in the world, he was the Son of God. So he was the offspring of God and had God's life and nature. So nevertheless, Jesus was not born automatically filled with the Holy Spirit just because he was the Son of God. He did not begin his ministry until about the age of 30. Now, in Luke chapter 3, verses 23, it says, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being the son of Joseph. Up until that time, he had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in verse 21 and 22 of Luke chapter 3, it says this, Now, when all the people were baptized, baptized by John the Baptist, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. I'll continue in chapter 4, uh, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned to Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now look in verse 14 of chapter 4. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. The events described in Luke could never have happened if Jesus were already filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first time Jesus performed a miracle was after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, uh, the first miracle that he did uh, was that he turned the water into wine. From this time forth, Jesus healed people. He cast out devils. He raised the dead and preached the gospel of the kingdom. He was doing the works and the will of the Father. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Chapter 5, verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. John chapter 6, verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. I continue on in John chapter 12, verse 49 to 50. Jesus said, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father would send me. He gave me a commandment, 
what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. John chapter 14. I'm going to read from verse 6 to 13. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest that thou then show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, Jesus was able to do these things not because he was the Son of God, but because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus said that Christians would be able to do what he did. Remember what we just read in John fourteen twelve. Since Jesus performed these great works and preached the gospel of the kingdom of God, he was both God's Son and filled the Holy Spirit. The same would hold true for Christians. When we accept Jesus as Savior, we become a child of God, but we are not automatically filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that we would receive power after being filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said in Acts 1.8 before his ascension. It says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria unto the uttermost part of the earth. Therefore, the logical conclusion is that we do not have this power until we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Just as being filled with the Holy Spirit enabled Jesus to do the works and the will of the Father, being filled with the Holy Spirit enables us as Christians to do the works and the will of Jesus. As the Son of God filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was a witness unto the Father. And as a child of God filled with the Holy Spirit, we can be a witness unto Jesus. Based on the evidence in Scripture, we may be born again as a child of God, but if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to sufficiently fulfill what God has called us to do. Being filled with the Holy Spirit also helps us to understand the Bible. Now, I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting from verse 6 to verse 13. It says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, that came to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, 
but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So since we now have the life and nature of God, we now have the capacity to understand spiritual things relative to both the kingdom of God and to being a Christian. Understanding scripture is absolutely vital in order to have our lives established on correct doctrine. So in summary, the purpose for being filled with the Holy Spirit can be explained by what Jesus said in the following passages. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Skip over to verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. John chapter 16, verses 13 and 15. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it to you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it to you. And then again in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So again, based on what Scripture reveals, there should be no question in the mind of any Christian as to whether or not he or she should seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Which leads me to the next subtopic, which is, what is the proof of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus told the disciples that they would receive power after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We just read that. He told them to wait in Jerusalem until they were filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the event Jesus had foretold took place. So when this happened, there were three notable manifestations. There was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. There was the appearance of what looked like cloven tongues of fire which rested on each person. And the third thing is that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. You can find that in Acts chapter 2 from verses 2 to 4. So while the first two manifestations are very notable, the only manifestation that proved something had happened within them was that they spoke in tongues. Therefore, the initial evidence that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit was that they began speaking in tongues. In Acts Chapter 8, Philip went to the city of Samaria and preached the gospel. And when the people saw the miracles and heard what Philip had preached, they accepted Jesus and were born again. Again, I mentioned that in my last podcast, Acts chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. But then Peter and John went to Samaria for the purpose of ministering to the people and for them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So when the people were filled, something happened outwardly that was noticeable by others. The only initial outward sign in the Bible that people were filled with the Holy Spirit was because they spoke in tongues. If you look in Acts chapter 10, while Peter was preaching to the people at Cornelius' house, the people were filled with the Holy Ghost. And the thing that really convinced Peter and his companions that Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit was that they heard them speaking in other tongues. This was the only manifestation mentioned which they brutally considered as proof that the Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul went to Ephesus. While there, he ministered to believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The initial outward evidence that they had been filled was that they spoke in tongues. Again, that's Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 6. 
Repeatedly in Scripture, God has revealed that the initial proof that a person has been filled with the Holy Spirit is that he or she will speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a result of the Holy Spirit releasing His power in a person. Speaking in tongues is literally a miracle because it enables a Christian to do what would normally be impossible. Speaking in a language that is unknown to the person speaking. Okay, that's great and all, but how does a person get filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues? Well, as Scripture shows, being filled with the Spirit is a matter of receiving Him. See, He will not force Himself on a person. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. It is similar to being born again. A person believes on Jesus Christ and receives Him as Savior to be born again. Likewise, a person believes in being filled with the Holy Spirit, desires to be filled, and then receives Him. Without believing in and desiring to be filled, a person will not receive the Holy Spirit. You see, John the Baptist said that Jesus would baptize people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So therefore, when a person is born again, he needs to allow Jesus to do what John said, baptize him with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is not the strange mystery that many people seem to have implied. The Holy Spirit does not forcefully impose himself on a person and make him speak in tongues. You see, the Holy Spirit does not violate the will of a person, making it impossible for the person not to speak in tongues. Scripture explains that when people spoke in tongues, it was them doing the speaking. It wasn't the Holy Spirit forcing them to speak. Now, I'm going to run through some scripture here very quickly. I'm just going to give you what was said in each verse. From Acts chapter 2, verse 4, Acts chapter 10, verse 46, Acts chapter 19, verse 6, and basically 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 2 down to 39, you can see that those are examples that the individual is speaking by choice, not by coercion. So a person makes a conscious decision to pray in tongues, and the Holy Spirit instantaneously supplies the language and the words to speak. So in natural terms, it would be like a person instantly being able to speak, for example, you know, Russian or Chinese, even though that he or she never previously was able to speak that language. The difference is that the language of tongues is not earthly in origin. It is a language that originates in heaven from God. The language and the words will not be mentally understood by the person that is speaking because of the Holy Spirit is supplying the language to the person's spirit and not to their mind. It is impossible for human logic to explain this, and it is impossible for man's religious traditions to explain this. This is a work performed by God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the born-again spirit of a person. So when a person first begins to speak in tongues, he may not think it is the Holy Spirit. The Christian may think that he or she is the one making it up out of his mind and that it's nothing but a lot of meaningless gibberish. While it is true that a person is using his own lips and tongue to do the speaking, but it is the Holy Spirit supplying the language. It is important to remember that when a person truly desires to be filled with the Spirit, the sounds that come out as he or she speaks will be the gift of speaking in tongues. It is also important to remember that the Holy Spirit will not interrupt a person who chooses to keep speaking his own language. And I experience this all the time when I'm uh, laying hands on people when they come to the altar to receive the baptism. What they'll do is they'll just keep saying, oh, I uh, worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, here, here's a key. Be quiet. If you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, do not keep talking. Just be quiet. And the Holy Spirit will release that language to your mind. And then in that, you will speak it out. And remember, God gives you a choice. And the Holy Spirit is such a gentleman that he's not going to interrupt you worshiping and praising Jesus by interrupting with tongues. Now, I'm going to give you 
an example of a prayer that you can say that would help you um, or assist you in being filled with the Spirit. So at the end of the prayer, just begin to speak in tongues. Remember that your mind will not understand the words or the language because this will all be coming out from your spirit. It may sound like you are just making a lot of unintelligible, worthless sounds, but I'm telling you, you will be praying in tongues as a result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The other thing to remember, too, is the enemy will put thoughts into your head thinking, oh, this is not, this is not work. This is not for today. You're not filled with the Spirit. This is just, you know, you making it up. Do not give in to that lie. God is not a liar. Satan is the liar. And he will fill your mind with lies because that's all he knows how to do. So just say a prayer like this, and you can even repeat it after me in this podcast. You just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. John the Baptist said that you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I receive this baptism from you right now, and I thank you for this. Holy Spirit, I receive you into my life. Fill me, just like the Bible describes. I ask you to give me the gift of speaking in tongues. I thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much again for tuning in to The Vine. Again, I'm your host, Sean McNeeny. Next episode, I'm building on what we've just discussed. I'm going to go into greater detail about the specific gift of tongues. Until then, I'll see you here, there, in the air. Love you, and God bless you.